Welcome to Playing With Perspective, the suspended animation podcast, where we hear real stories from real people and we tackle all sorts of fun topics in the areas of business, marketing, entrepreneurship, mindset, the arts, and well, life itself. It's amazing what you'll pick up. Thanks for joining us. Well, welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me. 2022. Darren Saul here. It's another episode of Playing With Perspective, the suspended animation podcast. I have the fantastic Andrew Stevens in the house. How are you doing, Andrew? Very well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining me, man. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because we've been connected for a while and we've chatted a few times, but um, it's really nice to collaborate properly with you. Yeah, and yes, uh, yes. really looking forward to it. And for the audience out there, Episode 179, and we're going to be chatting about how to grow, adapt, and win in a competitive industry, which I think is relative to a lot of industries, and a lot of people can get a lot of great information and insight from this show and from Andrew. Just a little bit about who Andrew is. Andrew Stevens is, a, is passionate about helping small businesses owners grow, adapt, and win. He has a collaborative style with a strong focus on uncovering what drives the individual and unlocking their potential to build both a healthy business and life. He's currently the national business manager of one of the Australia's fastest growing mortgage broker groups, Nectar Mortgages, and he's the host of a successful online think tank for financial service professionals. So once again, welcome, Andrew Stevens. Thank you very much, Darren. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Uh, sensational. So, I mean, let's dive in. I kind of just want to get a little bit more We'll give the audience a bit more insight into, you know, how did you get into this line of work? Where did you come from? Tell us a bit more about your story. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, it, it's it is a bit of a, a strange story, um, and I guess like many people, I, I fell into this after a bit of a journey and making some decisions along the way. But look, my original passion growing up uh, from being very young was actually um, pastoral care and life coaching counselling. Wow. So my my parents were Christian Christian counselors. Yep. Um, and so I grew up in a very religious household, and they we spent most of our time living in um, disadvantaged areas around mm -hmm. Sydney. So uh, that's that was kind of my my I guess my influence. And then as as I, I got older, you know, I really had a passion for wanting to you know, contribute to the bigger picture. Nice. And, um so off the back of that, you know, I, I started quite a number of not-for-profit um, businesses and initiatives. Yep. And you know, with, with having success in that area, then started into you know, consulting and business coaching in that not-for-profit and uh, not-for-profit space and a lot of startups as well. And uh, I know this won't surprise you, but there isn't much money in startups or not-for-profits. <laughs> uh, so to act, so I could actually do my passion. I started working in finance. I started working in banking to, you know, I, I guess to pay myself a wage so I could go do what I loved. Yeah. Um, and I guess along the way, the life kind of happened and I won't, won't go you know, too deeply into it. But I think I discovered for myself that, you know, there's more than one vehicle um, to, to make a difference in the world. And nice. I yeah. made a decision to... I guess, pursue my career more along the line of finance and then kind of marrying the coaching, counselling kind of aspects into that where, you know, I went through retail banking into strategy and operations and over into 
looking after a lot of mortgage brokers, financial planners, did some consultancy work on my own as well, um, and found myself using all those skills to help build small businesses, mostly in the in the financial professional um, area. So that that's kind of my background in I how love I, it. I love it, and I love I love that you've identified early that you had a passion for people and for the human condition and a lot of the softer, empathetic, emotional um, intelligence side of things. And you found a way to satisfy that for, you know, by making a bit more money, but so you can still use that in what you do every day. And I know that that's something that you're quite passionate about, which we're going to chat about today, but I love the way that you've approached what you do. It looks surprisingly, and I didn't think I'd share this, but um, I guess one of the pinnacle points for me in my career that, that kind of changed my whole focus was I used to read a lot of leadership books when I was younger and I couldn't wait to climb the corporate ladder and meet these fantastic leaders that I, I'd read about. And um, the bank I was working for at the time, I was selected to be a part of the Emerging Leaders Program where we got direct access to the executive team. Uh, each of us got a, you know, like a, a, a corporate coach and yeah, we worked on a lot of projects. It was fan- that aspect was fantastic. But I got in the room, the same room as some of these wonderful leaders, <laughs> um, and the discussion was so far away from how what they did impacted the front line and the customer and the people working in the front line that I I was so disillusioned by that in corporate world, which kind of drove me to wanting to be in roles where I could have a direct impact on the front line and on people. Um, And in my industry that I specialise in, in mortgage broking, many of the people who became mortgage brokers probably shared that same passion where they work for a corporate, they're really good at looking after customers, but then they thought, well, actually, if I go out and do this on my own, I can actually help them better than I can working for a corporate where you have one particular product you need to sell and you've got a sales target where they could genuinely help people. Uh, So working in that space where, now you've got these small community cottage businesses that really want to have an impact on their local community. Um, it's been right up my alley. I, I found my people. I found my tribe. Um, and oh, it's, been, it's been a fantastic journey. Sensational. I mean, I think we're both, you and I have both spoken before about the fact that we're quite passionate and we follow Gary V. And Gary yeah. V's just brought out a new book. It's think the 12 and a half um, superpowers for you know, business success, something along those lines. That's not the exact title, but he, what he talks about in those, in that book is basically the 12 and a half um, characteristics from a human point of view, from an empathetic point of view, from an emotional intelligence point of view to make people successful in whatever they do in, in, for work. And I think that's kind of what, you know, you just touched on is the fact that, you know, if we can try and be good people first, we can be successful in what we do. But if we yes. can try and be good people, that already spills into everything we do professionally and non-professionally. I think that's so important. And it's a really great book. Um, so I'd highly recommend everybody, you know, getting a copy as well. I haven't read it yet. So really um, interesting, really interesting. Yeah. yeah. But um, let's chat a bit about um, identity, because I know that kind of feeds into this in a way, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that we've spoken offline a little bit about this. You know, a lot of people get their identity just simply from what they do, but there's so much more to it. You know, who are you as opposed to just what you do? So I'd love to get your thoughts on, on that. Yes, certainly. And so look, there is a big difference between who you are and what you do. And I I don't want to, um, I guess, categorise people, but typically if you think of 
uh, you're, they're usually male. Um, and they usually work in <laughs> work in a white collar job where they're, they're a professional. Yeah. Um, they they really take a lot of their identity from what they do. So if you, and and I ask them in coaching sessions, well, tell me who are you? And typically they'll say, you know, I'm I'm a solicitor, I'm a, an accountant, I'm a mortgage broker, I'm a father, yeah. I, I'm a you know, I, I'm a I'm a rugby player or whatever it might be. And they talk about all these things that they do. And part of that is they have this connection to what they do. Um, that is so strong that that's where they get their identity from. Now, the challenge for a lot of small business owners is if you are constantly getting your identity from what you do, there's a lot of outside factors that influence small business that you have no control over. Yeah. Like you, you, know, you think of you no know, changes in the economy or uh, legislation changes and then the way that you have to operate changes or there's um, a new technology that comes in, into play that disrupts your business or whatever it might be. There's so many um, aspects outside of your control that can influence your results. And if you are driven by the results that you're getting in your business for your own identity, what tends to happen is you ride that roller coaster up and down with your business and you come in, you're stressed out, you yell at your staff, um, you don't engage with the customer like you should have because you're thinking of something else. Um, and it doesn't make for a successful business or a successful life. Um, and so, so, so what you know, I try to really work on is really try to uncover or get them to explore and gain clarity around what do they really value in life and what are their core values? What is their emotional drivers? What's those things that make them uniquely them? Yep. Um, and what, what passions do they have? And, and, that, and, and get them to double down on bringing that person to work to deal with the problems that they face. Uh, it's, it's it's quite different. The other the other analogy that I use, and did you have, do you have kids at all, Darren? No, I don't know. I don't. Lucky man, don't, don't get that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Look, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have have, have oh, kids. Oh, absolutely. I'm and sure they do. Having a small business is like having children. Yep. Yep. Um, and and the, the 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 I guess the analogy is like when it, when a small child is first born, they almost don't have their own identity. They actually. Um, now, psychologically, a child until I think they're around about three, act or think like they are they are part of their parent. Wow. So if they're feeling hungry, they think, well, mum or dad should know that I'm hungry because I, I feel hungry. Wow. They then they start to find their own identity and, and move away. And look, in small business, it's the same. When you first start out, yes, now you are your business. Yes. There's there's no it's the same identity. But a successful business is one where you start to learn to nurture your own, your business to become its own individual identity, where it's its own person, yes. and that you become the caregiver to your business. So you bring your skill set, your values, your passion, who you are to your business, but your business is its own entity. And eventually that business should grow up, mature, and start to give back to your life. And hopefully your children do too. Look, sometimes kids still come home when they have problems <laughs> and move back in or whatever it might be, and, and, and you might need to deal with that um, aspect. But a true small business owner should be able to grow a business that ends up maturing, becoming its own individual identity um, that, I guess, interacts with them. And, and look, and part of the, I, I guess, an example of where this impacts, like if you're looking after a customer, and you let that customer down. It's very easy then to go home and say, I personally let that customer down. You know, I, I, I'm a failure. Mm. 
rather than saying, well, actually, I didn't let that customer down, the business did. Yeah. And that's okay because the business made a mistake and I'm not a failure. There's just the business failed. Yeah. For whatever and reason, like, certain circumstances drove that decision, that commercial decision, and I had no choice in, in that decision. That's correct. Just like a child falling off the bike, you don't say, oh, great, no, I'm a failure because my child fell off his bike and, um, and take that personally. You know, you find a way to say, hey, okay, how can I you know, care for this child, help them, encourage them to get back onto the bike, keep on riding? What, nice. what experience or skill set do I have that I can bring to the picture? Do I need to get someone else involved or whatever else? How do I help this individual person, which is a business? And then you have a great relationship with there's you and then there's your business. There's who you are and then there's what you do and there's a relationship between the two identities. It doesn't become your identity. And I think that's so healthy because, you know, business times change. You, have, you go through turbulent times, you go through great times, economies change, coronavirus comes, all sorts of things happen. <laughs> great example. And, yes. you know, you want to be slightly insulated from that and be secure and confident in who you are as a human being and not let all these things affect you just because they're affecting your business. I think it's really healthy to think like that. Yeah, and you need that mindset to be able to adapt, change, pivot, see yep. opportunity. Definitely. Uh, bring, put your best foot forward on your worst day when you're in front of a customer. Uh, you, you need to be able to have that resilience and, and bring in all that you are into what you do. Definitely. And in the end of the day, you know, those relationships, those deeper relationships are really what make customers loyal to you. It's not about what you do and your, your fantastic service. It's about how you connect on that personal level. Yeah, absolutely. And like we've, as you know, I run a few think tanks. Um, and one of the discussions that we've had is around, well, if you know, your business is going to be disrupted tomorrow, yeah. uh, what's, what's the key things in your business that you have that won't change? that you can leverage off or pivot with. And the two key things that we came up with is your database of customers. So um, you have that, you need to look after that, nurture yeah. that, have a great relationship yeah. with that. And the second part is, is your personal brand. Um, th those two things, it doesn't matter what disrupts your business. If you can maintain, have a great personal brand and a great relationship with your database of customers, yeah. you can then pivot, you can then change, you can then adapt. Um, where, where some people get so caught up in doing what they do every single day that what, what's important is the transaction and they forget about themselves and they forget about their customer. Definitely. And having a great personal brand or AKA reputation allows you to then go and add to whatever you're doing. You don't always have to even substitute or change. You can just keep adding because it's based on your reputation and people, if they trust you, you can come out with a different service, a different product, they will still come to you because they trust you personally. That's the, that's the, what's so powerful about this stuff. Look, I think if we, if we look at where disruption is coming from in, in business at the moment, um, look, this is my opinion. I didn't read this in a book anywhere. It's just my own observations and my own feel for what I'm seeing. It's, you know, that age group of 25 and under, they have a, a natural distrust for big bread. Mm -hmm. now, if you think of um, you know, political parties, um, religious groups, uh, big banks, uh, so some, some of these organisations, um, they have a, a natural distrust for these big brands because they want to know who is behind the brand. Yep. Is that person relatable? Are they accessible? Um, do I like them? Uh, and and they, share they want common to share values and philosophies about life. 
Exactly, exactly. And so we've seen you know, the rise of you know, the online platforms for businesses, as in I, I always make the joke, and I don't know whether you've ever been to one of these kids' birthday parties these days where they've got <laughs> massive flower walls and a pony and whatever else. Yep. Um, there's, there's no shop in Westfields that sells this stuff, yep. really. It's, it's all <laughs> online business, word of mouth, Yep. Um, and people want to engage or they do engage with you know, the person behind those brands. And also we've seen the rise of social media influencers for the same reason. And I think going into the future, it's very, very important that if you're a small business owner, that you as a person has your own personal brand, that you're accessible, that you're relatable, that you're putting out content um, into the community that people see like, want to want to follow want to engage with and, and that that's what's going to be what saves you when things start changing or you start being disrupted is people go well I know who you are and I had a great experience when you were selling xyz and now you've pivoted to doing something else I'm going to follow you because I know what your values are I know who you are I know what you're about um, and, and I like you beautiful although yeah. you have to give the negative with the positive um, you know, going on social media only enhances what you already have. And if you've got a really bad attitude, it's really poor values. Absolutely. Um, so so uh, just be careful. Um, if, if, you, if you don't, mate, um, if you are a naturally angry person who's angry at the world, just know that if you go on social media and be angry, it enhances that. That's right. It's just going to amplify everything that you, you know, exactly that you right. haven't shown the world yet, but exactly. they will find out very quickly. <laughs> yes, yes. It's so true. And But I just love that, you know, because we're kind of chatting about really small business now. We're chatting about how to be successful mm. as a small business owner. You know, it's all about reputation. It's all about your personal brand. It's all about building trust, building loyalty, you know, learning how to be a good marketer um, and inspiring your staff as well, your employees. That's another thing that's really interesting. And, you know, you um, being the manager of, you know, Nectar Mortgages, um, tell us more about how you, you know, your philosophies around how you inspire your your staff and your people to live and breathe your philosophy and your why and not get, you know, caught up and or not get uh, taken away from that. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Look, Nectar, Nectar Mortgages, is it's almost a business of small businesses. Yep. So it's quite unique in the way that it operates. There is some overarching, I guess, values. And one of them is we're built around, around the customer. So I guess our goal is to be the most successful broker in the country as voted by our customers. Nice. So it's all about you know, measuring NPS and the CES and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of our focus. So we build our systems and processes and support around helping small businesses deliver on, on that. And we've got both a Nectar branded business, like a franchise business, but uh, but without all the all, all the secret little catches you usually find in franchise well. But then we also have a non-branded aggregation offering as well, where oh. people bring their own, their own brand to our support uh, with their own goals, their own why. Um, and I think part of part of my role really is working with people to really understand what their driver is and finding that that I guess um, that neutral ground where we can work together and really drive results where there's that win-win. Yep. It's 
I, I guess it's something if I if I think back to my past running not for profit organizations, you heavily rely on volunteers. <laughs> uh, you don't you don't you don't get an opportunity to pay for quality staff or the staff that you want. Although I work with some brilliant people. I'm sure. Um, so really, if you know, you've got a goal and you're trying to go in a particular direction, you have to have this this skill of being able to sit with someone and really understand what drives them and then kind of connecting your visions together. And I think that that experience has served me really well in the role that I do now, which is really helping individual business owners discover their why and their drivers and then building support around them um, to actually be able to achieve what they want to achieve. And many times, and it's just, just something I want to note because it's one of the biggest challenges I'm seeing at the moment is as a business coach, and most business coaches won't like me saying this, yeah. sitting with me and having a conversation, at most, I probably can influence your results by about 5%. And most, most coaches will admit that. We can't. Look, anything I can talk you into, your self-talk can talk you out of. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's what drives behaviour on a daily basis when someone wakes up, what they do that day. A lot of that is actually driven by... Um, like subconscious bias and drivers that maybe they're not even aware of. Absolutely, it's, it's, it's like look. I'm sure. I'm sure you know some people, and we, we won't name names, but you know the the guy or the girl who's always dating the bad boy or the bad girl. Yep. And they've got <laughs> a history of relationships like that. And you sit with them and you say, "Well, tell me what you really want in a relationship." And they they write this nice list of all these great attributes about a person. Then they meet that person, <laughs> and they're not interested at all. There was no chemistry. No chemistry. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And then there's natural things that that um, I guess dictate our behaviours on a daily basis and our mindset. Uh, Like one of the questions I ask, and uh, one of one of my personal coaches asked me this question. He said to me, "Who taught you about money? Hmm? Where's your philosophy of money come from? Your relationship with money? How do you think about that?" Um, And I had to go back and explore. No, where did I get that? Because it's, it's a subconscious response that I have, yeah. where I don't like to be paid for what I do. I don't know why. It's just it's built into me. I've had to learn how to change that. Yeah, hence why you got into not for profit so early as well. I think it's a legacy from that. Where yeah. now I'm in finance and I'm teaching people how to make money yeah. um, and how to be successful. But it's been a struggle for me because my value system kind of clashes with that. Where in a coaching session, I'm being quite vulnerable here where I really need to push the point with somebody to get them over the line to make a good decision about um, that's going to benefit them financially, yeah. maybe I don't push as much as I should mm-hmm. because of my own, my own value system that, that I, I need to challenge myself. And the only way to change some of these things is, is not by talking about them with someone. It's not by getting coached. It's actually by plunging yourself in, a, in an environment that you're surrounded by what is going to influence you to change and you feel something new. I agree. I agree. We make our decisions based on what we feel. You justify them by what we know. Yep. Um, you, you talked about the why, like Simon Sinek's golden circle is a great example of yes, how, how humans work. Um, and it, it's, it's important to people, especially small business owners, they find themselves or put themselves in an environment that's going to constantly challenge them to think differently and influence behavior. Some things are taught. Some things are caught. Yep. Some, sometimes change only comes from the environment. I like that. Some things are taught, some things are caught. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yes. 
So, so look, I, I would say, you know, positioning your small business. And sometimes, like, if, for example, with us, you know, you've got someone who has a great business, great brand, and built that. They want to take that to that next level. Yep. Yes, they get me as a coach. I, I can I can give them 5% uh, of, of the change they need. But the real, I guess, the real change for them comes to be, comes from being a part of the overall group, sitting in a room with other mortgage brokers or financial planners or accountants who are doing things, they hear things, see things, experience things, start to feel things differently, yeah. uh, which kind of brings about the change. Nice. And do you have a particular, particularly stringent um, process when people come to you and want to be part of the group or when you go to them or how does that generally work? Yes. Um, it's Well, I guess one of the... One of the good things about working where I work now, and look, I've worked for some of the biggest brands in our industry, and I'm not naming brands, but um, when when you when you work for a corporate or a big 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 brand, you, you know you're, you're working with the confines of what they what they're asking for, um, and yeah, and you make the best with, with with the rules that you're you're working within. Yeah. Now, one of the good things about being, I guess, in leadership at Nectar Mortgages is you can have the the no the no DH policy uh, where you can genuinely have a conversation with someone and not just sell to them, but say, well, look, this is what I can offer. If this makes sense to your business, let's do business together. If not, you know, find excellence elsewhere, as in I'm happy for you to go elsewhere. I'm happy to even recommend you to someone else. So I'm very, very choosy about who we actually bring on board and we work with, mainly because if they do come on board, I'm the person who has to help them as well. So, um, you know, it, it's about my genuine passion is to add value to these businesses and see them grow. Um, and if I feel I can't do that or I'm not the right person to do that, I won't engage. Um, yeah. I'll support, yeah. I'll help. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's so it's, it's good to have that luxury uh, yeah. as such. Absolutely. And, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense because, you know, you want to make a difference to those people. You want to coach them. You want to make sure they're coachable in a way. So you've got to have the right people to start with. Yes, and it's also about creating that environment I was talking about earlier where if you if you invite someone in, in who's not a good cultural fit into your business, this goes for you know, small business when you're hiring too. Um, but one of, one of the key things is, is that when it comes to hiring people, that I think that's important is that you hire someone who buys into the vision you have for the business. Nice. And I see a lot of people that either buy talent um, and if you buy talent, that person comes in, almost builds their own little business within your business. Yep. And, and within two, three years, they'll leave. That's right. They'll leave. Um, or, or, or they bring somebody in and they abdicate their responsibility to actually manage that person towards the vision. Um, I almost say sometimes you, you start with your vision, you work out, well, what's the activities that need to be done to get there? You make your, not a job description, but a, a literally a, a list of the daily activities someone needs to do. You interview someone if they're excited by the, by the I guess, the vision for the business. And they say, yes, I'll do that list every day. You know then that the vision that you have for your business will be achieved. Um, it's not the, there's management to that. But um, I see a lot of business owners bring people in. They abdicate their responsibility to manage that person to the task that deliver the result. Um, and then that person either does their own thing, which doesn't deliver the result, or they create their own little world. And when they do leave, they have to get back on the tools and do the job again. And they go through this vicious cycle of 
working on the business, working in the business, working on the business, and they never get out. The business never matures. Well, they can actually pollute the culture of the organization as well while they're doing it. Exactly right. And that's one of my, my concerns is if I bring a business into our group where um, no, I, I bring another, a, a smaller business who's quite, is, is open to being influenced and they get poor advice from another business or they pick up on an attitude. I, I don't want that. And I've seen, I've seen how much that can impact on the overall performance of the business. So being quite selective based on culture, I think mm-hmm. is very important. If someone's going to join Nectar, um, they, they need to be open to helping others. They need to be passionate about delivering the best outcomes for their customers, not just getting what, whatever they can out of it. They need to contribute to the group. Yes. Yeah. And I actually think that's, it's hard to sell that to people, but that's actually our greatest strength as a group. And the reason why, like our, on average, our brokers sell about 50% more than industry average. Wow. Uh, and we've experienced 30% growth year on year on year for every broker that comes on board. So we've got this incredible growth journey we're going on. Um, and I'd love to say it's because of me and and, uh, and Steve Harris and a few of the others. It really isn't. It's because of culture. Yeah. It's because you have this um, group of brokers who are willing to help each other, collaborate with each other, support each other. And as a leadership team, we're just willing to listen. <laughs> I would also uh, challenge you and say, or argue and say, it is you. It is the leadership team because you are the ones that are living the culture and setting the culture for others to follow. And by osmosis, that culture is being taken on. So it is exactly you. It, it, it is. And it's, um, in, in a way, it is. I'll, I'll accept that. I'll accept yeah, that. I mean, I think that's so important. I mean, you know, yeah. leadership comes from the top. Culture comes from the top. If you are living in, and breathing your culture and instilling and, and establishing that philosophy in, and that vision into everything that you do and everyone that you interact with within your company, the culture of the company just gets built and it trickles down from leadership all the way down. It, it does. It's, it's surprisingly, like one of the things I've found working with really well-established larger businesses is that culture is actually very difficult to change. Yeah. yeah so, oh, we just, we'll just get a new head of culture in and That's we'll run right. some activities and yeah. do some videos yeah. and write, write a couple of uh, little points on the whiteboard and we've changed it there you go it doesn't work i remember when i worked in the bank i was um had a, a somebody who's he's moved on to become very successful in what he does but he, he was quite young at the time and we had a team of um i was the only male bank manager in our team right. the rest were female and i would say average age of you know around about 50 had been in banking 20, 30 years, well-established people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his first teleconference with us all, he was like uh, really hyped up and ready to go and <laughs> start uh, casting his vision out there. And, and um, one of the bank managers said to him, uh, I'm not going to name names, I said, no, sir, um, this is what I was doing before you came. Um, <laughs> it's what I'm going to continue doing after you're gone. Yeah. Um, I've had... I've had 20-something managers or whatever it is. I love it. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. We'll see you. We'll see you on the flip side. <laughs> Doesn't matter how talented you are. You, you, can't, as in you can't just come in and change a culture like that. And it's it's why it's important you get it right, right from the start when you're a small business. Um yeah. culture is more important than you would ever think. Absolutely. Uh, it's not something you can go back and work on later. Absolutely. And it's really interesting, you know, the last 10 years or so. We're all starting to focus on that so much more than 
before, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we never really spoke about these things. You know, we just got the business, had a job. We did the, we did the job, you know, that was the, the goal and everybody went home. But nowadays it's all about culture. It's about leadership. It's about emotional intelligence. It's about empathy. It's about all these things. It's the human side of business really. And I think it's just fascinating and rightly so, because it is so important. Uh, it is, it is. And I, look, I know for myself, like being, being in a role where I don't feel like I'm working every day because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of is just taking myself to, to a job and having interactions that I enjoy and want to exactly. have anywhere. Yeah. Um, and part of that comes from being in an environment that, or in culture that does support people. Yeah. It does let people be themselves. Um, it doesn't try to cookie cut everyone and put them in a box and say that this is who you need to be. And I, the, the business I was working for prior to joining Nectar Mortgages, um, I, I went to Nectar Mortgages with their blessing. And I said to them, because we still have a relationship with them, I said, I'll make you more money working for Nectar Mortgages than I could ever working for yourselves <laughs> because they, they're a large corporate and just too many too much like handcuffs and yeah. requirements and box ticking and all, all those all those things that you you do when I guess you get to that size and you kind of have the set culture. Um, and sure enough, I I think I already have. <laughs> so it's it's that uh, you know, having that, you know, that 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 culture of freedom where you bring yourself to work and you're appreciated for who you are, um, and that includes what you're not good at. It includes being able yeah. to be human, have mental health days and chuck a tantrum every now and then. Definitely. Whatever else. Yeah. And, and delegate. Thing. Delegate to people that are better at you at certain things because you know you're not as good. But do it. Absolutely. <laughs> I 100% agree with that. You know, why do all these things that you don't like and you're not so good at when you can be doing things that you are good at? Yes. Yes. Too right. Too right. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I totally agree. But I think it's fascinating. You know, there's so much so much more um, research and so much more um, to learn about this topic, but, you know, we're all really realizing how important it is. And, you know, I think it's something that it will continue to, to grow and be such a sought after topic and a and talked about topic. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit about, uh, we touched on a bit earlier, but I want to talk about disruption because I know, you know, obviously in your industry, like in many other industries these days with the rise of the internet at scale, there is a lot of disruption. I mean, what are your philosophies towards how to make yourself as disruption-proof as possible? It's, it, it is a big topic. Um, and I used to think I knew a lot about it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, like a lot of things, then experience kind of teaches you, teaches you you don't. Look, I, had, I had a conversation recently, which I think it just brings a different insight into disruption than what I've considered before. Okay. Uh, and I, I've read a lot of books on, on the topic. And a lot of people you know, really try to say that you can predict it. Um, you know, you, you know, they talk about you know, this technology. Or the, uh, I, the interesting thing about disruption is what disrupts business is not technology. It's, it's human behaviour mm. and how people respond to things. And Something big like the pandemic can happen, and then human behavior changes. Which, you know, the reason why we're doing this today uh, is not in person, for example, is yeah. it's not because the technology is great. It's because we adapted to learn how to use these pieces of technology to still do our work. Our, our behavior changed because of you know, big things happening. 
Um, and so a lot of what actually creates disruption is not things that are maybe on your radar or that you can really predict. And the conversation I had was with somebody who worked in um, in a betting agency right, right. Uh, of, of all places. So, and part of their role was to, I guess, come up with the odds when there's significant changes to, say, a sporting code. So, like we know that in rugby league, for example, had the six again rule, and then you had COVID hit and lockdowns, and some teams didn't have home team uh, home advantages. There was no longer crowds. Yeah, um, you had these big blowout score lines where you know teams are winning by 30, 40, 50 every single week. Wow, that's a new world. Now, as and I hadn't thought about this before having this conversation. As somebody who you're you're trying to place, um, I guess, odds on outcomes, now they had to ask themselves, okay, is this the new norm? Mm-hmm. Or is this just a, a is, is it a change of behavior because of the new rules? And is this going to last? Is it not going to last? And they had to try to guess and make predictions on where that might go. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's in, in business, it's somewhat it's somewhat doing those kind of things. I think many times we, we get obsessed with technological changes um, and how, you know, and look, look, I'm a fan of Gary Vee and Gary Vee's been talking about voice um, and how you know, voice activation is could definitely be a disruption. And I can see that it will be a disruption when human behaviour embraces it. Uh, not just because the technology is there and it's great and it works better. Um, one of the examples I've used many times is you know, the blockbuster, um, blockbuster versus Netflix story, where oh, yeah. you know, Blockbuster yeah. went and surveyed all their customers. Their customers said, "Yes, we love Blockbuster because you know I like the tactile feel of opening a DVD cover. I like any popcorn on the way out. I might bump into a neighbor in there." <laughs> and part, and that was part of the reason why they decided not to buy Netflix. And to continue down the path wow. that they were continuing down. Wow. Is their customers told them, the data told them they were on the right track. Wow. And then you had Netflix, who clearly um, Netflix is around and Blockbuster isn't. But what, what was interesting is Netflix at the time was mailing DVDs to people. That's right. They were the new version of the video store. It's exactly right. So, but what they, they weren't worried about Blockbuster. They, what their attention turned to was, well, what is coming yep. that might disrupt us? And they decided to disrupt themselves. Love it. Love it. Uh, which is, I, I think that's kind of the mentality that you need to take into, into, into change is, and I, I, I promote this within the industry I'm in, as in if we don't disrupt ourselves, someone else will, will disrupt us. Yeah. Um, yep. And it's about, But the the way that you know disruption is coming is by being close to your customer, but not by not knowing what they say, but how do they behave? Yep, exactly. It's all about human behavior. That's right. And so a lot of times we customers tell us a good a good analogy in in our our industry is if you interview a a customer and you say what's most important to you about their home loan, nine times out of ten they say interest rate. Yeah, interest rate is the most important thing for me. And then you say to them, okay, so what's your current interest rate? And they say, I have no idea. <laughs> yep. So how important is it? So, um, yep. so and, true. and I think it's like, so so important because it's just like anything, even when we make a decision, we make a decision with our heart, with our soul, with our gut, and we justify it with our mind. It's exactly the same. If you ask somebody, what do you like or dislike about something? 
they answer from a cognitive point of view, but they yes. act from a gut point of view, from a feeling point of view. And that's the real tell. That's right. Because you know, an interest rate is something that's measurable. It's, you know, it's quantifiable. It's, I can understand that. Um, funnily enough, on the other end of the, the conversation, so after the, they settle, the likeliness of that customer referring someone else to you has nothing to do with rate. Yep, agree. It actually, um, and sometimes it's if they have quick quick service that makes them feel good, um, and they no longer have to think about it. That that memory or that high that they feel is what actually drives them to to um, refer. And it's it's hard where sometimes you have mortgage brokers who are so obsessed with getting the perfect answer for a customer yep. that the customer gets disgruntled, and although they're at a much cheaper rate and a better structure, they're actually upset with the service because it didn't feel good. Yeah, um, so or they might have had to now. jump through a million hoops to get that extra and half a percent, and they thought, "Ah, oh, I got a headache already. I don't want to fill in any more forms," and they won't refer business. And this is where, like, I, I, I try to teach small business owners: don't don't listen to your customers what they say. Watch what they do. How do they behave in response? Uh, and that's and, and and I guess that's where you need to what you need to keep an eye on when when it comes to disruption. When does consumer behaviour change? And how do I change uh, change with it? And the beauty of Netflix, to go back to that example, is unfortunately for Blockbuster, as much as customers loved all that stuff and genuinely did, it didn't beat just laying in bed and pressing one button. Yeah, so true. And, <laughs> even, and so, even when you look at the poor um, um, cinemas now, even that's changed. It's all um, Netflix, Amazon, Stan, Disney, um, TV Plus, I mean, even like the new Bond movie, it went straight to, um, oh, no, it didn't. It went to cinema, but it's going to come out very, very soon on some of those platforms. And some movies don't even go to the cinema now. They go straight to those platforms. So isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's it's it would be amazing to see what things look like in the future. I, I mean, just, just one quick example. Yeah. I, when I was working in banking, we were working on a project where we're looking at what the future of banking would look like. Right. And to, to paint a picture, you're sitting there in your driverless car um, huh. and the, the the system already knows what you've been searching for online when it comes to purchasing a house. I know your preferences, three yeah. bedrooms, a pool in a particular area, whatever yeah. else. And you're sitting there in your driverless car and all of a sudden an alert comes up on your screen saying there's a house that is a 96% match to what you're looking for in 3.2 kilometres. <laughs> do you want the virtual tour or do you want me to take you there? <laughs> and you go, oh, look, oh, oh, I may as well go have a look. So the car drives you there, you parks outside, you look at it. No. Um, already the bank knows what your living expenses are. So what you spend, what you save, how much you can actually afford to pay for the loan. There probably has some sort of social score around yeah. how many contacts yeah. you have in your phone. Do you call the same people every single day? Do you go to and from the same workplace? How many jobs have you had? And they create some sort of score. And all of a sudden it pops up on your screen as in, You've been approved for a mortgage for this house. All we need is a thumbprint. Yes, and the house is yours. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? There's a future. Unbelievable. <laughs> and look, and if it wasn't for a lot of legislation, that uh, and some of that's being removed now, and the requirements for wet signatures and all those sorts yep. of things. But still what's missing in that transaction is people want to talk to someone they trust and they know yep. that they can have a relationship with, they can give them advice. Because you may like that house, but is it genuinely right for you? Um, and that's where I think 
you know, having a, a trusted advisor that is somewhat local. When I, when I say local, it may be location, but it could be they're part of the same online groups as yourself or, yeah. or whatever it might be. Someone who you relate to, they're accessible, that you connect with. Having that relationship with somebody is the most important thing about, about your business and will navigate through any te- technological changes, I, I believe. Oh, it's the same as I've got kids um, and I could go on Airtasker tomorrow and find a very well-qualified babysitter. <laughs> yeah. um, or I could go across the road to the 15-year-old girl who's my mate's daughter who has no qualifications at all. And I'm likely to use her. Why? Because I know her. I'll see her tomorrow. If something goes wrong, I can talk to her dad. Exactly. There's that relationship there. And it's important that in business, with all the great marketing tools that we have and you know, putting tiles on Facebook with your brand on and all those sorts of things, we don't forget that at the end of the day, we're people dealing with people. And that will always be a major factor in whether you have success or not in small businesses. Do you understand people? Do you understand their behaviours? And do you create a, a, a service or an offering or a process or an experience that connects connects emotionally with people? Uh, And I don't think you can beat that. No, and I 100% agree. You've raised two fantastic points. And I think first one, definitely, regardless of technology, I think there's always going to be a need for that intermediary or that broker in a lot of these styles of industries because people want to have that insight. People want to have that, that connection to what the computer or the technology can't give you. And the other great point is at the end of the day, you know, we're still always people and in terms of social media, it's getting noisier and noisier and noisier. There's more and more competition. There's more and more um, information out there. We still want to find a person that we can trust and get a referral from. And it's almost going back in a way to square one where we're going to be asking for more referrals than we ever did before because social media is becoming so saturated. It's a fascinating point, like phenomenon. So who knows what will happen with that? Yes, yes. Look, I'm excited by the future. I think we should be. Yeah. Um, and I think if I think if you if you're there's an opportunity for good guys to win. I think there's more of an opportunity now for good guys to win than ever before. Definitely. That's why I'm a fan of Gary V as such is yep. he really highlights that. Um, once upon a time you couldn't compete against some big brand. No. Um, Look at us, like you know, bank or, we're sitting here, we've got our you've got your, your logo behind you, you've got your your uh, email address or your website address next to you. You know, you look a million bucks, you've got a great suit jacket. We don't know where you are, where you've come from, where you're working from, but it's an even playing field. And it's more it about is. what you and say and how we feel, how, and how we connect with you than anything else. That's right. You can go direct to your customer. Yep. Uh, and I think anything that allows you to do that is advantageous to doing business. Yep. So true. So true. Well, I really appreciate that. But let's chat a bit more about Nectar Mortgages now, just before we finish up. I want everybody sure. to know a little bit more about Nectar and, you know, why you guys are different, why you guys are special, and maybe tell us a bit more about, you know, your role there and, and why, what you know, what Nectar's all about. Yeah, sure. So, so Nectar Mortgages, from, a, I guess, a business-to-customer perspective, is, you know, is we're, we're about 100 and something brokers Australia-wide, uh, so small business owners, of people who are genuinely passionate about helping people um, get, achieve their financial goals. Nice. You know, we, we even talk sometimes where, now, we look at the numbers, which you know, every business looks at, it comes through, and we describe it as, you know, great work, guys, 
Now you've you've helped one thousand seven hundred and fifty nine people achieve a financial dream this month. So it's really talking about you know, the customer. And so if you know, if someone's looking for someone who, who who genuinely cares about what's their best interest, um, and we're, we're legislated to actually act in our customers' best interest too. So you know that you're going to get that. If you go to a bank, their their job is to sell you their product. If you go to a mortgage broker, it's their job to actually genuinely help you and find. Um, a solution for you that's in your best interest. So, um, and, and as a result, we're seeing what 70% of people now use a mortgage broker, um, which is the largest percentage ever. Um, so that's, I guess that's um, Nectar Mortgages and what they offer. So home loans, commercial loans, car loans, asset finance, all, all that space. I guess, and then the other side of our business is that B2B where you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, you've got an accounting business or financial planning business with a database. Um, who wants to also provide them with a, with, with a home loan as well. Now we, we can help them set up that offering within their business. Oh, um, nice. Existing mortgage brokers who want to grow, scale, make a change, um, they can leverage off all of our technology and our experience. So almost so, like, um, like white labeling what you do in a way, yeah? Spot on. And, and, and it's, it, it's, it's something which, you know, we, we, we've had the results ourselves to prove it. So we've only been around six years. Wow, uh, wow, only six years, and, and this year um, we were ranked by the um, the advisor magazine as the sixth largest broker in the country. Fantastic! Uh, at the recent advisor awards, which is you know, one of the largest awards ceremony, I uh, the Australian Broking Awards, uh, we were nominated for um, the best brokerage branded brokerage against Aussie Aussie Home Loans and Mortgage Choice. Amazing. Uh, just to be named within, like these businesses have been around 30 years and yep. and sized and just to be put in the same category as them, you know, was was an honour. Um, you know, we're given five stars for, you know, as being a franchise group, uh, named one of the fastest growing businesses um, in our sector. Uh, so it's just like success after success. So it's looking, it's kind of all happened in the last 12 months um, after a lot of building. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we've been doing right. And so, you know, the, the opportunity is there for someone who may have a good business, great brand, um, who wants to wants to grow, but you can't do everything. As you were saying before, it's good to delegate some stuff. So, sure. you know, we, we will do all your marketing for you and your own brand. Um, there's one less thing for you to do. We have great forums um, where you can actually discuss scenarios with other brokers that allows you to you know, find the best solutions for your customers. Uh, you know, you've got your, your actual business coaching, which is more than just how to process a loan. You know, really you know, talk about how do you build your business. Uh, and you've probably got some uh, great systems as well, because a lot of businesses that are, especially systems that are growing, businesses that are growing, that's the one area that, you know, they still need to work on is mature systems. Spot on. So, um, you know, all of our marketing is all automated, for example, uh, rather than you have to do it all yourself. Um, our actual CRM, is um, recently won the award as the best CRM in in the in the industry. Uh, so there's a lot of really good, wow. really good pieces that we've all, we've we spent all the time putting it together. We've proven it works. We've seen the growth. Um, our customers are very very happy. I think we've got the happiest customers um, in the industry. And our our net promoter score is like 94 or something like that. Yeah, it's amazing. Well done. Um, amazing. I think, I think ANZ, oh no, it's NAB, I think it was minus 42 at one stage or something like that. So um, it, there's a real point of difference. Um, oh my God. So look, if, if you're a customer or your business in, in financial services, 
um, mate, we would love to have a chat and see whether there's an opportunity to, to collaborate um, and help you build out your dream and your goal, whether it's you want to buy a house or you want to grow your business. Outstanding. And is it purely online or do you have physical stores as well or physical premises? We've got both. Um, both. both. So we, we um, and I think that's one of the key differences between us and our competitors. That's why I, I love Nectar is I've worked for what's called aggregation, which is just wholesale. Here's, here's a system. We'll pay you commissions or, you, or your income and we'll get you accredited with lenders. You're on your own. <laughs> yeah. Right down to... Um, Know, probably the largest well-known brand which I've worked for where, um, yes, they have all these great systems and they provide you with leads and support, but they own your book. You can't sell your book to someone else. Right. You can't if you, if you leave, you have to leave your business behind. Um, a lot of restrictions around what you can and can't do in your business. Mm-hmm. You have to have you know, a, a particular type of shop front and it costs a certain amount. You have to buy the materials from them. Um, we're, we're like, well, what do you want to do and how can you leverage up our tools to do it? Nice. Uh, and, and if it's not working for you, give us 30 days notice, walk away, you can take it all with you. So wow. it's a very, That's it, 30 very days. different model. Yeah, so it's, which puts the pressure on us to make sure we deliver on what we say nice. because um, they can sack us. Uh, and I like, I like that because, yeah. one, I, I'm not selling somebody my philosophy. I'm helping them to develop their own and build out a business that works for them. Um, previous roles, you know, the conversation is how much are you settling in home loans this month? Um, <laughs> now I can talk about things like, well, is your business being profitable? Uh, do you have the lifestyle that you want? I even encouraged one of our high-performing brokers recently to pull it back, look after your health, you know, to take some time as a right less, earn us less money. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's, the right thing, it's the right thing for that business. Um, and, and that person as an individual. Great. Uh, so it's yeah, it's great to be in an environment where um, it's a is a is a brokerage business founded by brokers um, for brokers nice. as such. So nice. um, even our franchise agreement was actually written by the, the brokers who originally started the business. So it, was, it made sure it was fair to them. Um, yeah. Which is it's an, it's just a nice environment to be in where just don't have. I don't feel the pressure of having to worry about any, anything other than genuinely you know, bringing myself to work and genuinely helping people. So it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I really, you know, that's fascinating to hear such incredible growth and such incredible success in such a short period of time. Well done. You know, well done to you and all the founders. Outstanding. Thank you. Absolutely Thank you. brilliant. Well, Andrew, really appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, we could go on forever. You know, yes, yes, we'll can. have to bring you back again. <laughs> Um, but really appreciate it. I've enjoyed this discussion immensely. You've got so much knowledge and, and insight to bring from a, you know, a, a business acumen point of view, but also a human point of view. And I've just thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you. And I think a lot of people will definitely enjoy this episode. But if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, sure. So look, um, through, either through the Nectar website, which is www.nectarmortgages.com.au. Um, or look, my social media platform of choice is probably LinkedIn. Yep. Um, so if you if if you if you Google Andrew Stevens LinkedIn, um, or, or just go to go to Darren's uh, uh, friends <laughs> list and you can find me. Um, or Facebook. Yeah, look, and I'm sure, and I'm sure on the back of this, um, I'll, I'll make some comments or, or share the, the podcast online too. But look, thank you so much, Darren. Look, um, I've enjoyed every conversation I've ever had with you. Um, I love your openness, your insight, your the way that you think. 
Um, and just the genuineness that you, I guess, that, that comes across where uh, it's, it's very refreshing. Oh, I really appreciate that, man. But I just, you know, I feel like I've really, I just love, I love it when I connect with people that are on a similar way of thinking and a similar wavelength, and you certainly are. And, you know, we could, we could chat for another five hours. But I always like to give my guests the last word. So anything on your mind at the moment, anything you want to talk about, anything, any tips or tricks that you want to give people for 2022, you know, the floor is yours. Yeah, look, I, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. Nice. Um, it's it's something which I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, we, it, all, we all have this tendency to to kind of just hold everything together as well. Yeah, and look, I, I say this. I say this now whenever I host any of my think tanks. Is um, I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you're going through in your business right now. If if you're struggling with something, pick up the phone, call me. Um, I don't care if you're a competitor or whoever else, you know, um, I'm happy to give up some, some, some of my time to support you, help you out. Um, I, I say it's a bit of a joke. Um, but first, first session is always free. Um, if, you know, if we get to the second, third, fourth conversation, I may, I may um, have a sales pitch to you as well. But, um, but yeah, look, no, no obligation, free conversation. If you're struggling in your business, reach out. Um, it may be a five, 10 minute conversation that, that can absolutely change your life um, and your business. So, yeah, pick up the phone and call someone. Love it, love it. So true. And these days, you know, the more information we have, the more people we can talk to, the more inspiration we get from other successful business people, the better. Because we all, you know, we're all in, we're all in looking for that little edge. And other people that have done certain things that you might not have thought of, a different perspective, can always change a lot. And it's just that those little nuggets of gold that can make all the difference to your life. Very true. So I really appreciate it. So, Andrew, yeah, really listen, appreciate. To, listen to this podcast. <laughs> Definitely listen to this podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, Andrew, really appreciate you coming on the show again, man. Have a great year. Absolutely. I'm sure we're going to, I'll be speaking to you very, very soon. All the audience out there, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. We'll see you very, very soon for episode 181. We're climbing and uh, have a great day. And we'll see you back next time. Bye for now. Take care, everyone.